Hey everybody, it's Kevin Collins, your podcast host here at My Fishing Cape Cod. Hope everybody is doing well, getting ready for a very busy and hopefully a little bit warmer Memorial Day weekend here on the Cape. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to tune in to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast presented by Cape and Islands Mitsubishi and Cape Codder Boats. This episode was first published back on May the 19th, last Friday. If you feel like you want this information in a little bit more timely fashion, you can get immediate access to our podcast every Friday morning throughout the season, which will stretch from now through the month of October by heading over to MyFishingCapeCod.com and becoming a full member. When you become a full member, you'll get immediate access to all of our past podcasts and our new podcast every Friday morning with the latest and greatest information and fishing reports from throughout Cape Cod and the islands. So once again, thanks for tuning in, and let's dive right into last week's program. Welcome to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. The My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is your local source for the latest news and information on fishing Cape Cod. Now, here's your host, Kevin Collins. Well, hello and welcome to another edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast brought to you by Cape and Islands Mitsubishi and Cape Codder Boats. I'm your host, Kevin Collins, back with you for episode number three of our 2023 podcast season, and we've got another awesome show in store for you today. Our panel of guest experts are as follows. We're going to be led off, as always, by MFCC founder and creator, Ryan Collins. We're then going to be joined by Captain Cullen Lundholm of Cape Star Charters. Next up will be Bruno Demir of our title sponsor, Cape and Islands Mitsubishi. And last but not least, we'll head down to Buzzards Bay and check in with our good buddy, AJ Coots of Red Top Sporting Goods. In today's program, we're going to cover a wide range of topics. In the last week to 10 days since our last podcast, the focus has shifted from Tatog to Striped Bass. The stripers are here in earnest, they're here in numbers, and they are here with pretty good size already for this time of the year. So with all of our guests, we are going to dive headfirst into the striped bass fishery. We are also going to touch on the end of the spring to tog bite. We're going to touch on flounder inside Cape Cod Bay. We're going to touch on haddock in the lack of haddock off the coast of the South Shore. And of course, something I'm really passionate and excited about, the opening of sea bass season coming up here this weekend on Cape Cod. So an action-packed show. Can't wait to share it with you. Let's dive right in. Well, first up on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast presented by Cape and Islands Mitsubishi and Cape Codder Boats is MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me as always, Kevin. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's a, a little bit different uh, end to the week here, right? We've got a pretty good north wind blowing that's churning up Cape Cod Bay pretty good right now. I know. it been like flat calm or just a light breeze out of the south southwest for quite a while now for like a full week it felt like summertime and then overnight you know as they say on cape cod if you don't like the weather just wait 15 minutes that north wind has ushered in some really cool weather and i think i may have seen some rain in the forecast for this weekend with southeasterly winds so we'll see what that does to the fishing when the wind hit me in the face this morning as I walked out of my house to get the dogs out very early around 6 a.m., it got me thinking about, 
the the meetup that you had, I believe it was on Saturday, and you had a long distance casting competition. What was the weather like on that day, and, and how was that meetup? Because I would assume if it was like this wind today, it would have been pretty tough to cast into it. You know, historically, we have had north winds for those surf casting long distance competitions, but last Saturday was just a tremendous day, Kevin. It was awesome weather, awesome people there. Probably had about 50 folks from my fishing Cape Cod show up. We had complimentary coffee, lots of prizes, and we had a really dramatic competition. And it came right down to the end. And longtime member Marshall Roy he walked away with the uh, victory. So overall, it was great. It was awesome to see everybody who attended. And if you're listening to this, it'd be great to see you at a future meetup. We'll definitely be doing it again. Now, I know the forum. Uh, has been particularly active this spring. Uh, folks have gotten a little bit early start uh, fishing for Tatog as we've gone through in our first couple episodes. It's been a an epic spring for Tatog, and we've also had a, a lot of larger size striped bass in the area uh, here in early May. And I understand the surf casting thread within the forum is definitely one of the places to be. It is one of the places to be. I just saw a beautiful fish of over 40 inches caught in an estuary by Kevin John Drow. He posted that just yesterday. There's been some great posts about the fishing along the south side of the Cape. And I actually just read a post from Dex Chancey reporting that some of his soft plastics over the last few days have gotten bitten in half. So that tells you something, Kevin, right? Yes, yeah, the bluefish have started to arrive. Absolutely. So I'm yet to see an actual photo of a bluefish in the form, but I am seeing reports of people getting bit off. So just a matter of time until the bluefish action gets going. And, you know, that's a great fishery for the springtime. Go to a place like South Cape Beach and Mashpee in the evenings, cast topwater plugs, have a great chance at catching a large bluefish from the beach. It's really awesome. You know, there's a lot of other awesome threads going in there. Saw Billy Mitchell reported getting into some haddock. He posted that to the Plymouth Duxbury Kingston thread. There's a Boston Harbor thread in there that's starting to get active. So, yeah, you're right, Kevin. A lot of activity in there and a lot of big fish for this early in the year. The biggest I've seen so far posted in the forum is a 45-incher by Jim Kelly. who caught that last week at the canal. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about inside the forum as well, Ryan, is the the buddy boat registry going on. You know, I need to look into this more. I think it's a great idea, but it's the power of the forum, the power of the members having power to start their own groups, their own initiatives. And one of them is the buddy boat registry. And it's in there in the forum. And like you said, Kevin, I got to take a closer look at it. But there's lots of folks chit-chatting in there about teaming up together this year planning trips together, going out, exploring new areas, having a buddy boat. I think it's a great idea for getting on the fish, helping each other find fish, but also for safety purposes. So I'll definitely be keep, keeping an eye on that thread. Another thing I want to bring up right here off the top of the show, and we're going to dive into it with our panel of guests that will be joining us throughout today's program, but I'm really excited about sea bass opening up here. I, I think it's coming up on May 20th. Is that correct? That's right. It opens this Saturday. And like you said, I'll let the other guys hit on sea bass. But I do want to just let some listeners know that I'll be publishing a lot of sea bass content on the blog over on myfishingcapecon.com. Some new videos, some revised articles, 
for anybody who'd like to get into Seabass this year in case it's something you've never done before. Yeah, and I, for one, am really excited about that fishery. I think it's it's a tremendous fish to catch. They're extremely beautiful, and for the table, I would argue one of the tastier fish that we have up here. Absolutely, and it seems like they're around in good numbers, too, so it's a good species to target if you want to bring something home. Now, moving back to striped bass, Ryan, a passion of yours and mine since we were little guys, uh, I know the Cheeky Fly Fishing Tournament is coming up. Uh, will you be participating in that, and can you educate everybody uh, a little bit as to what that is and if you'll be fishing in it? I definitely will be fishing in it. I'm really looking forward to it. My partner, my fishing Cape Cod member, Doug Blanchard, and I, this is probably the fifth or sixth time we've fished the Cheeky Tournament. It's a fly fishing tournament. It's actually the largest fly fishing tournament in the world, and it takes place right here on Cape Cod. So Doug and I are going to be going out looking for the four biggest stripers. It's all catch and release, and you take photos of the fish, so it's all measured out, and whoever has the most inches wins. So I'm thinking, you know, 130 total inches, that would be four fish over 30 inches apiece. That is probably the goal for this weekend in order to actually, you know, finish at the top of the leaderboard. There's a lot of good anglers. I know for me personally, I'm going to be casting the biggest flies I can find, you know, seven, eight-inch long flies to try to mimic the herring that are around right now. And I'm definitely going to focus my efforts on places where there are herring because I really feel like those herring draw big fish in. So as opposed to, like, fishing along the outer Cape beaches, for example, which is something I'm already looking forward to doing in September and October, believe it or not. But right now, I've got to focus my efforts this weekend on fishing creeks, inlets, and estuaries because I think that's got to give me the best chance of encountering a big fish because I can't cast that fly very far, Kevin. So I need to pick spots where the fish come to me. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Well, I hope the weather holds up for you, Ryan, and, and best of luck to you and Doug during the Cheeky this weekend. We'll be sure to check in with you guys on how you fared when we tape next week's podcast but as always, it's a pleasure having you to kick off the show here, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next week. Sounds great, Kevin. Thank you as always. Well, next up on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is our good friend, Captain Cullen Lundholm of Cape Star Charters. Cullen, how are you today? Good. How are you, Kevin? Good. Welcome into the show. Long time, no chat, but I understand you've already been out doing some group trips this year? Yeah, we did some group trips. I'm do doing some private trips. We started off. Um, pretty early in the season with Tatog, um, everything we had a you know we had a very mild winter and a mild spring, so everything arrived a little early this year. Um, uh, we were fishing for Tatog, I believe it was like you know April twentieth time frame, and there was actually some fish showing. There's actually some stripers showing up on some of those Tatog trips too, so it's pretty interesting stuff. So you've been doing TOG. Uh, have you done anything for haddock at all since it's May? I know sometimes you'll go out and do haddock trips in the spring. I haven't done any haddock. Um, basically, we didn't have any haddock that's set up consistently, like near the South Shore area. Um, a lot of the guys that were doing haddock were traveling up to Gloucester to fish off of Gloucester, and we had some quick shots of them down off of Marshfield and stuff um, in Plymouth but it was very hit or miss, um, so I didn't run any trips out there. 
So the focus has been predominantly on Tog, and is that tapered off at all, Cullen? Uh, I know that generally guys will switch their focus when the striped bass show up, right? Or the sea bass, for example. Uh, has the Tog bite tapered off at all over the last week or so? I haven't run any Tog trips in weeks now. Got it. Um, I, I, uh, as soon as, like, scups start to show up and sea bass and stripers, um, it gets difficult to fish the Tog because all those other fish will jump on your bait um, before the dog can get to it to hook them. So as soon as all that, all the other fish show up, I kind of um, transition off at the dog and we've been running striped bass trips now and a uh, lot of good striper fishing in a lot of different areas. So let's get into striped bass and then I want to pick your brain on sea bass, which is also on the horizon here. So for stripers, you said they showed up really early. You were getting them as a, uh, a bycatch of tog or you, you noticed, you know, birds working, uh, up on top and were curious and gave a, a, a look over. Um, can you give us like a striped bass report uh, over the last couple of days or last couple of trips rather from what you've been seeing out there on the water? Yeah, so like I said, I, I feel like the stripers kind of arrived this year like two, three weeks earlier than they have in the past handful of years. Um, Buzzards Bay was very good for a while. It slowed down a little bit, but there still can be fish had like out in the middle of the bay under turns, fishing smaller baits. Um, and then there's some pogey schools moving through, like, um, you know, outside of the west end of the canal, basically, probably pushing through the canal with some bigger fish on them. Um, the south side, there's fish holding in the rips. Um, I haven't heard anything about any of the eastern rips, like off of Monomoy having fish yet. Um, and Cape Cod Bay is also very good big fish on bigger baits i could look up the buoy temperatures right now in the bay but i'm guessing they're um around like the low 50 mark yep that's what i would guess 55 degrees which is actually in all aspects a little ahead of schedule from where we're usually at got it all right well that's good to know and the fish inside the bay just for a guy that kind of predominantly stays in the bay and is interested in the bay and i know there's a lot of the listeners that fish from the beach inside the bay uh what are you hearing in terms of are there larger class fish that have kind of made their way either around or or through the canal inside the bay or is it still a bunch of schoolies no it's i mean obviously there's schoolies and the guys like down towards the wellfleet area are probably catching schoolies down there off the beach but um the predominant fish that we're catching offshore in areas is um you know slot fish and bigger from there that's very good to hear that they're here. Um, and last year was such a good year. Hopefully we can all, you know, have a repeat of that this season. In terms of what you're using aboard the boat, Colin, I know you said some of the bigger fish you've heard are on pogey schools. Um, can you give us just a little bit of a walkthrough on, on some of the different baits that you're using with your customers to target these fish? Yeah, so I transition back and forth from artificial to live bait depending on the fishing situation of the day but um as far as baits we're using um you know we're obviously fishing mackerel and spots pogey and spots um but i've been throwing a lot of like if they're on the bigger baits the pogies and the mackerel um we've been i've been throwing those new lures the dog walkers that uh hoagie lures came out with um and they've been very successful for us um fishing down in the rips we're throwing those as well as like small plastics um, but even out in Cape Cod Bay, like where those big fish are spread out, guys can do really well trolling X-Raps for those fish. 
Um, and there's certain times where they come up and you can get them good on any, you know, like any big type of popper or uh, dock or spook or like I said, that the new hoagie dog walker. Now, when you're on the boat, Cullen, you know, with your customers, I understand I've been following you on Instagram. Did you get some new rods that I see on Instagram for the boat? Yeah, I use all Zach's custom rods on my boat. Um, you know, that's going anywhere from Albi rods all the way up through stripers and tuna. Um, even the giant rods um, are great from Zach. He's a uh, really good person, and he makes an exceptional rod with good products, and everything he does is very detailed and super neat. Now, we're going to be kind of having another fishery open here in the next three days. We're going to have sea bass open on May 20th. Is that something you'll look to do at all with your customers or, or charters, or are you going to kind of stick to striped yeah, bass? I, I, probably do, I probably do about a dozen of those trips a year, and oftentimes um, our sea bass fishing is very good, so oftentimes we'll go catch a limited sea bass, and then, you know, we'll transition over and catch stripers on that same trip, kind of like a combo trip. Um, it breaks up the trip and it, you know, it fills the time up with fishing. So what, what are you forecasting in terms of for, for sea bass? There's sea bass around already. Um, I know that they're spread out in Buzzards Bay. I don't think it's, I don't think the spawn's going on crazy there yet. Um, usually when I start, I like to fish down, um, you know, Vineyard Sound, Nantucket Sound, um, and fish more small area structures when I start in deeper water that's where i tend to do best early um and then after like you know a small margin of time a week or two the, a lot of those fish will settle into the flats on in buzzards bay um and they'll start their spawn and then you can go up there and um usually pick away at them with either artificial jigs or um drifting with rather dead baits and clams so well that's what i was going to ask you if you're drifting you know non-artificial bait we'll call it um, other than clams, is that is that pretty predominantly what you use? Clams, um, clams or squid, basically to do something like that. And you can also anchor up and put a chum pot pot down with like smashed up clams in it. Oftentimes, if the fish are spread out, um, that'll help get the fish around the boat and improve your fishing if the fishing is a little slower. Now, you said that you also can, you know, kind of parlay some of those trips into striper trips if you guys are fortunate to limit out early, which I know you're wont to do at times. You're an excellent fisherman. If you're down in that neck of the woods, what are some of the areas you would poke around for stripers? Like I said, a lot of those combo trips I'm doing out of Vineyard Sound. Okay. Um, and I'll hit various wrecks down there, and we'll fish areas like Middle Ground, Nobska, Halfway Rip, um, and basically just hit those areas where there's rips. And there's squid getting pulled across the rips, and we're just stemming the tide and fishing those rips. Awesome. And I know another huge passion of yours and, and one that you really look forward to each year, um, you know, not only for the customers but for yourself, I think, is the tuna fishery. Can you give us a preview uh, based off your knowledge and what you experienced last year, what you think is going to happen with the tuna fishery this season? Yeah, so um, there, I know that there's been reports, and I've talked to people, commercial guys who have seen them offshore, um, there was a bunch of fish south of the islands in an area. Um, that was a couple weeks ago, so that has probably changed, but those were like school-sized tuna, 50, 60, 70-pound fish. Um, and I know some of the commercial guys have been see seeing giants offshore um, periodically throughout the spring, but I haven't heard of any, like, big, massive fish, but also, um, you know, 
those reports are coming off of commercial guys who aren't really paying attention. They just see them and they, you know, they're doing other stuff. They're shucking scallops or doing whatever. And they're not really paying that much attention. So I think you're going to start to see a lot of reports come in soon when people um, start to get out there and there's more effort put in on chasing these things. All right, Cullen. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you about is your boat. I don't think I've been on the latest iteration of your boat. I know it's, a, a, I believe, a 33-foot conch. Uh, tell us a little bit about the boat, um, how she's fished for you, and what customers can, can expect You know, when they're aboard a group trip or if they book you privately. Yeah, uh, 33. I've, I've ran conch boats for years. Um, I've had a few... 27s and i just transitioned to the 33 and um as far as like long distance runs and fishing offshore it's just a lot more comfortable a lot more room for everyone to fish on um the boat has a huge fish box i could fit any giant tuna in there with ice so that works out well i have a 80 gallon live on the back which i use often um, a spare live up forward of the console that's actually 175 gallons so there's a ton of room for live bait um the boat runs i'm running at like 38 miles an hour at 1.8 gallon per hour uh cruise or mile per gallon cruise and um boats efficient to run for that size range um and i can't say enough about it i actually this one i'll actually be selling at the end of the year probably in october i'll get rid of it and actually i have a new 33 going in the mold today actually and so I'm excited about that as well. Awesome. Well, we'll look forward to catching up with you on that maybe later in the season. Cullen, uh, folks can get a hold of you, capestarcharters.com, and they can also, I'm sure, get a hold of you through myfishingcapecod.com. Uh, thanks for all that you do uh, with all the group trips and, and just being a great ambassador for the site and, and just an overall awesome fisherman because I know so many of our people and, and members that have gone out with you just kind of rave about the experience. So keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Awesome, Kevin. Uh, looking forward to having you out maybe this summer. Well, next up on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast presented by Cape and Islands Mitsubishi and Cape Codder Boats is our good friend Bruno Demir from down at Cape and Islands Mitsubishi. Bruno, how are you on this morning? I'm doing excellent, Kevin. We're getting a little bit of a cold front coming through, but... uh Overall, it's another great day here on Cape Cod. See, I called it this morning because it's not a lovely morning like it was last time we taped. It is chilly, like you mentioned, and it is windy, my man. It has been tough going uh, to try to find weather windows to get out on the water. Well, with this north wind, your best bet is Buzzards Bay, right? Because if you work the west end of the canal where there's some good fishing right now, you might be able to uh, find some uh, calmer waters with a north wind. So let's get into what you've been up to the last couple of weeks since we've caught up, Bruno. I want to start with Flounder, because uh, going back, I believe it was last week, uh, you had a chance to get out with Ryan to do some Flounder fishing. Can you tell us about that? This week, I went on my third and last Flounder trip. My boat's at Sassuid Harbor. Uh, it's going to be getting hauled out soon here, but I, um, we got some really nice, healthy black back winter flounder here in Cape Cod Bay. Um, we're catching them up to 18 inches. The limit on that's 12 inches, but there's 
such great fishing. You know, we, we didn't really keep anything under 15 inches, but they're great uh, plate fare, uh, amazing when they're cooked um, in the oven. And we were getting them on sea worms and clams and mussels, um, and we used um, chum. So what I do for chum is um, I'll put I'll go over to the grocery store and just buy like you ever see how you know how they sell the mussels in like batches in those bags. Yep. Uh, I'll buy like two batches of that, sometimes three, and I have a uh, a homemade chum box that I use for that, and I crush the, the mussels with a brick that are all broken up and I use that to chum and then um, I do um, not throw an anchor and I kind of drift with that chum bag about a foot or two above the floor and uh, and that kind of draws them in and then uh, we pick away at them and um, we've been eating some really good flounder lately um, that was on Monday this week, and it was also on Monday of last week. And um, and that'll be the end of my flounder fishing for the season. As um, as um, we wrapped up our flounder, we um, I decided to take a look at a certain spot in Cape Cod Bay that I always see big um, striper coming in at the beginning of the season. And it's usually like the first week in June, right after Memorial Day, where I used to go check the specific spot. And I, and of course, because everything seems to be about a week or two early, I went by this, this spot to check it out. And my God, Kevin, there was at least five football fields of sand deals. That's promising. Tons of bait. And these sandals, like, you know, I have, they were like eight inch sandals. I haven't seen sandals this big since fishing the Regal Sword for tuna fish. I mean, the, this was a biomass of really big sandals. And when I saw that and I saw the birds, I knew there's there got to be something underneath all this bait. And uh, of course, we cast into them and uh, we, we, we took a while to try to match the hatch, but uh, we ended up uh, having some really good luck with sandia limitations. But the trick was to cast into them and let them kind of let the lure kind of uh, fall through the bait ball, so to speak, until it could get to the uh, bottom of the bait ball and kind of uh, pull out of the school. And that's when we got hit with just absolutely world-class striper um there was some slots in there um the biggest one was 40 inches um and in probably about an hour and a half we must have caught and released 10 or 15 striper um we didn't keep any um i don't want to really keep a striper this year especially i mean on that day when you got all that flounder sitting in the cooler um you know, there's no need to kill a striper. So we we just had some fun with them, and we left them biting, Kevin. We left them biting there and uh, started heading back home around 1 o'clock. I wanted to ask you, Bruno, in that field of fish that you were in, you, ma- you mentioned it was a giant, you know, school of bait. 
Did you notice anything else mixed in? Uh, any bluefish or anything like that? We still too early for that, you think? Uh, the water temperature in the bay is up to 54 degrees now, which is ideal for striper, mm-hmm. not for bluefish. Um, personally, 60 degrees is when I start seeing bluefish. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, 60, if it's 62, for instance, when I'm fishing in Monomoy, if I see water temperature at 62 degrees, I get out of there yeah. unless I'm after bluefish. Mm-hmm. Um, so 55, 54 is a little too cold for blues right now. Um, so I didn't see it. What I was surprised not to see was whales hmm. because, you know, big um, sand deals like that is prime whale bait. So uh, I was surprised there were no whales mixed in, but there were plenty of birds on them and, um, you know, I'm, I don't know if I could have got them on top water. I, I, I didn't try very long because they were on sand deals, but uh, it was great fishing, great day on the water. Well, speaking about the whales, right, um, and I know you're plugged into the, the lobster fishery just like myself. I got an email that as a, you know, a licensed Cape Cod Bay lobsterman, they had originally, Bruno, extended the restrictions on not lobstering until May 15th. Um, due to the right whale population inside the bay, they ended up lifting that a week early. I believe it was back on May the eighth. They gave the okay, the all clear, uh, for folks to commence with their lobstering uh, for the 2023 season. So my guess is a lot of that right whale population that was kind of setting up shop in the middle of the bay and maybe feeding on those schools of sand eels. I think a lot of them have maybe departed the area. Well, they definitely showed up earlier. I mean, I, I think you would know more than me with that since you're on the bay. Yep. But from what I understood, the, the whales definitely showed up earlier this season. They did what they usually do every year and decide to move out. But I was surprised not to see them there. And um, I'm also surprised, you know, Haddock never really made it to your neck of the woods. Yeah. Because, you know, in previous seasons, we always see Haddock coming in tight off of, Duxbury Harbor, mm-hmm. and that didn't really happen this year. I know that they made it south as far as like Marshfield area yep. and north of that, but uh, I didn't hear any anything on Haddock coming down close. But uh, but a lot of guys I know didn't really focus on Haddock when when the tog bite took off in Buzzards Bay. The incentive to get the tog kind of closer to home, and with how hot that fishery was. Uh, makes it a little tougher to make that decision to go burn a, a bunch of fuel maybe out on the edge of the bank up to the or up to the north up toward Jeffries um, you know burn all that fuel just chasing you know maybe scattered reports of haddock right sure yeah I agree it's it's haddock's not an easy game when you're out there looking for them um, I, I've I've burnt days many days looking for them and I've gone as far as you know 20 miles east of Stellwagen before I finally found them. So they're, they're tough to find, but when they're that close and you know they're there, it's a great time. It's a great way to just fill the freezer with awesome fillets. Now, talking about awesome fillets, Bruno, before I want to let you go, I want to bring up something that I'm really excited about. Sea bass season's coming up, and it's going to open on May the 20th. Uh, so we're right around the corner. We're merely days away from that. I know I'm excited about it. How about you? Oh, you know, that, that's one of my favorite fisheries. I think it's a great fishery to take kids and introduce them to fishing. 
because it's just drop, lock, and load. I mean, you're you're hooking up on almost every bite. So that kind of excitement um, definitely gets kids hooked on fishing. So it's a great way to also fill your freezer with fillets. It's a fishery that's in very, very healthy condition. Um, We're lucky that I guess one of the only benefits of global warming is the black sea bass bond that we get every year up here because you know as you know when we were kids that we we, we didn't get black sea bass here so they're, they're here in good numbers too because i saw a lot of reports of guys that are hog fishing down in buzz's bay and they're landing big male um black sea bass you know i personally don't keep any of the females and you can tell them apart by the knot on their forehead the males are bigger, and they got this big bump on their forehead. Bruno, since the Gavi will be targeting sea bass coming up here, probably starting next week as long as the weather holds up, can you talk a little bit about your strategy for targeting the fish and kind of what you use for a setup? Um, so I'm fishing out of Sacklehead Harbor. So going into Buzz's Bay is kind of a long ride for me. So I have some um, honey holes, as I call them, right in um, – Vineyard Sound and Nantucket Sound, where I could find equally good fishing for them. My setup typically is just a jig with a teaser. I'm looking for, you know, a fishery where they're just so aggressive that you don't even have to bait. But if I do have to bait, uh, you can just use squid. Um, Sometimes I use spearing because spearing is something I use for fluke also. And it's, um, it's just a matter of keeping an eye on your fish finder and um, look at the no- usual spots. And once you uh, mark a good school of them, um, you're dropping down. And um, there's a good amount of scup mixed in with them. From, from what I'm seeing, there's some really big scup out there already, which, uh, which you know, makes hog fishing a little bit difficult when the scup moving because they're bait stealers. But... Um, I know there's big scup in, which means there's the sea bass is right behind it. So, you know, typically the sea bass season doesn't get red hot until June. But I get a feeling this year with some of the some of the sea bass that I'm seeing being caught, it's going to start a little bit earlier. So who knows? Maybe um, Memorial Day weekend will be um, when it's really turned on and it's peaked out. All right, Bruno, thanks so much for the report. Last thing I wanted to ask you about is how's everything going down at the dealership and with the new addition of retailing the Cape Cotter boats? It's going great, Kevin. We, uh, we're going to have our first boat here hopefully in two weeks. It's going to be a 19-foot center console with a 90-horsepower Suzuki, and we're going to be retailing this for under $40,000. Hand-built fiberglass, northeast-style center console boat for under 40. It's going to sell quick. So can't wait to get my hands on it and take it out to the rips and see what it can do. All right, Bruno, thanks, as always, for catching up with us, and we look forward to our next conversation in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. Stay safe out there and tight lines, everybody. Well, next up on this week's edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast is our good buddy, A.J. Coots from down at Red Top Sporting Goods. A.J., how are you? Today's a good day. Sun's out, guns out kind of day, and uh, 
you know, with the way the fishing's been, it's, I mean, what, what else could you ask for, you know? Totally. It seems like everything is on fire. We had a great tog bite early in the spring, but I think, if I'm not mistaken, the focus has kind of shifted to striped bass, which have taken the area by storm. Ab- absolutely. Uh, striper fishing all, all over has been has been insane. I mean, specifically the canal. The, uh, the new moon bite was more than anybody could have hoped for. It lasted past the new moon longer than people would have expected. And the, the caliber of fish, given the time of year, in my opinion, doing this for going on 13, 13 years now is very early to see this caliber of fish. Yesterday, a customer showed us a picture and a video of a fish that he caught and released uh, in the canal on a jig. And I would speculate it was 50 plus. Regardless, it's mid to high 40s all day long. So That's amazing. And it's great to hear you know, that report, especially with, I'll say, the uh, trepidation, right, being approaching with the uh, shortened slot limit for this year, 20 to 31 inches. It, it seems like there's a lot of folks concerned, right, about the population of the striped bass, given uh, how popular they were last year and, and how many fish were taken last year. So it's good to Absolutely. hear that they're not only showing up in numbers, AJ, but those big breeding fish are around as well. Absolutely. And, you know, whether whether we like it or not, uh, scientists are doing their job. They're doing what they believe is right. And they're trying to protect the fish for our future, you know, so that we continue to to have days like we've had in the past week and, and continue that through generation year after year, you know. Now, AJ, talking about the canal, um, it's something that... I'm going to lean on you a little bit. You mentioned it popped off big time uh, over the past week to 10 days since we last spoke. Um, So I want to dive into that a little bit just for our listeners, because I know that there's a ton of folks that do fish the canal. Um, Can you give us a little bit of intel, you know, on on what was popular, uh, how guys were getting these fish and what do you think they were eating? Um, As well as, you know, was it a night bite where did they ever come up on top? Can you just give us some details about what it's been like down there? Absolutely. Absolutely. Kind of a lot of information to slap in a short segment, but to uh, consolidate everything and give a, a general overlay of what's cooking. Um, general consensus and success over the past 10 days or so have been uh, the guys jigging early morning into the morning. Uh, they're jigging lead heads with a paddle tail. The Fish Lab Soft Mac in particular has been very popular. They're, they're throwing them up current, jigging them down current, picking up a lot of big fish in that time frame. Then on the other end of the day, at sunset, guys have been doing really well uh, on the subsurface lures, but not jigging. So they've been throwing the, the Magic Swimmers, your SP Minnows, mm. those kind of small, skinny profile swimming baits uh, at sunset. So that's an, another way you can catch them. And there's plenty of guys it, it hasn't has hasn't happened so much yet but there's plenty of guys who who go down there and they slay on chunks you know so there's really no right or wrong way to fish the canal uh, you just want to be respectful of other people fishing in the area over you know near you but not casting over and so on and so forth that's etiquette and we could do a whole podcast segment on that you know other than that um, you would you would ask what what they're kind of feeding on so mm touched a little bit on lures but the actual bait in the canal we've been seeing uh, which is actually surprising to me is we've seen mackerel and squid 
And this time, in Herring, of course, they've been around for so long, I almost forgot to talk about them. Um, usually, this time of year, we start to see adult pogies. And the, the lack of pogies is, I wouldn't say it's concerning because of how many pogies we've had in years past. But it's definitely, it's nice to see some macro this early. And obviously, you can see what the bait in the canal does to fishing in the canal. It really makes it go wild. And in terms of the the West End there, I know you guys are in Buzzards Bay. You get a lot of guys that fish the West End. Have they noticed or have you heard of anything in terms of, you know, which way the canal is running? Is it better if it's kind of flowing toward the East End or out the West? Have you heard anything about that? Well, there's definitely people who prefer certain tides at certain locations. Um, I know fish have been caught on both tides, whether sure. it's like straight right in the middle, peak tides. Um, or that end of the east, end of the west, so on and so forth. So, uh, I was on a I was on a, a fishing page the other day, and and the guy was like, "Oh, what's your what's your favorite time to fish?" And there's probably 48 comments and probably 46 different answers. So, it just goes to show you that again, there's no right or wrong way to fish it. There are different ways to fish it based on the tide. Sure, there can be uh, the way the rips set up and and. You know, if you're fishing by the railroad bridge and it's going one way, you you don't have to worry about the abutment. But mm-hmm. if it's going the other way and you hook a fish, he's going to take you to the hoop, go right to the abutment. Yep. So something to keep in mind on. And if if the tide's not favorable, drive over the bridge, go to the other side. Yep. You know, it's going to be going a different direction for you. So. Yep, exactly. And in terms of the guys that might be fishing by boat, AJ, I think one of the things I used to do when I was younger, I know Ryan used to accompany me on this, uh, you know, we would kind of float um, out the west end off, you know, you can't obviously fish in the canal, but you'd you'd kind of shoulder the canal and, and yep. you know, throw, uh, you know, either mackerel or you'd throw eels kind of into the flow. And a lot of times it'd be fish seemingly, especially if the flow was going west and it was coming out that west end, it seemed like there'd be fish, like big fish, um, kind of hanging out, waiting for all that bait to wash out of the canal. Have you heard of anything like that happening? Absolutely. Um, year in and year out, that that bite that you just referred to you and Ryan fishing back in the day, it still applies. Those fish kind of, they're, they're facing up current. They're waiting for the, the bait to come down. They hang out in the mouth of the canal. They hang out all the way past maritime to the bridges and stuff like that. Um, and then they, they actually, they'll go all the way down to the end of Stony Point Dyke because that water just technically, I think they still consider that part of the canal. Yeah. Um, navigationally wise, of course. And, um, those fish will hang out in massive schools and guys typically will throw the topwater dock, mm-hmm. the seven inch and nine inch spook lures in the bone color. Mm-hmm. And again, they're doing that to mimic the bunker. And it's still been good um, throwing the docks around, even with the lack of adult bunker that we've seen this year. All right. There's a couple more things I want to ask you about. Uh, obviously, your location in Buzzards Bay, we've had a, a mammoth uh, to bite, right, that's happened uh, late April all the way through in, into May here. We've also seen an influx of scup and other things come in sea bass right right around the corner yep. here you guys all ready for that what are you hearing about sea bass absolutely uh i know guys who have been talking catching sea bass so it's a good sign for this weekend to come 
Uh, on the other hand, uh, we talked about it last time. We'll talk about it this time is the wind. Mm. The wind has been brutal all week. So any guys kind of pre-fishing, getting ready for their spots have been limited. Uh, the next couple days forecast should be a lot better. Uh, so the guys out there doing some, some togging, doing some scupping, will probably come across some sea bass and just to touch quickly, uh, this year there is uh, a revised size limit and possession limit on black sea bass. Mm -hmm. That's going to be 16 and a half inches and four fish per person. And I know one thing that I practice that I like to kind of pass along uh, to other folks is to return the females. I think that's always a good practice as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's one of those things where you can, you can tell the, the color differences and typically the size difference. The males are the big jumbos with the big blue heads. Yep. They've got uh, like a got, knuckle on their head, almost like a big yeah, old exactly. they bump. Got a, they've got almost like a, like a lineman or a linebacker hump yeah. that you get in football. Exactly. They look like uh, an angry old man if they had a voice talking to you when you bring one up. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I would agree with that. Um, and again, if you were to catch a 16 and a half inch fish, it's the only one you got for the day. I can understand keeping it, for but sure. realistically, they're not an efficient fish to fillet and eat. They have a they have a massive head. Yep. They have a huge rib cage and a very thin tail. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm I'm more interested in keeping the the twenty to twenty three exactly. inch yep. than than a seventeen, sixteen and a half inch fish myself. Yeah, you're doing better trying to get, you know, uh your limit, so to speak, and being picky and selective and trying to limit yourself to like a you like you said, a twenty inch class fish and up. Um not only more meat, right, from a greedy table perspective as someone who thinks exactly. they're absolutely delicious, but a little bit easier to manipulate and fillet, um, because you just have a little bit more to work with. Exactly. So that's great to hear that you guys are all set for that. That's right around the corner. Um, yep. The other thing, the last thing I want to ask you about in terms of salt water, um, I know the tog thing has been going on for quite a while now. Um, Scup have moved in, and and you know I know a lot of people will will back off the tog fishing because Scup steal a lot of bait. Um, are you still hearing about guys successfully targeting tog? Is that slowed down at all? So I haven't heard it as much from the boat fishermen partly because of the wind yep um and partly because they're they're targeting you know stripers and other species at this point however oddly enough tatog is a very interesting fish to catch from shore but guys who do it in the canal and they figure it out they can get their limit in the canal and legitimately 10 minutes or less yeah. like once you figure it out if you actually put the time in figure out how to not lose rigs where to go you can be very productive you gotta you gotta remember dog love rocks mm -hmm. and the canal is a man-made segment lined with rocks seven miles down each side yep. so i mean think about how many rock piles are down there and constantly shifting and changing and i mean proof is in the pudding when we talked about it i think we talked about it last week on the podcast or Ryan did at least, um, about the maritime camera yep. and how we just saw, at one point I saw 15 tog in a matter of about four seconds all balled up. So yep. I'll show you, they're there. If they're at the West end, they're going to be, they're going to be pushing through. They don't just sit there all year. So. All right. Last thing I want to hit on real quick before I let you get back to your day is just what's going on at Red Top. Uh, anything new and exciting going on you want to promote? I mean, most of our new and exciting stuff happens before the spring sale. 
we we intentionally order that way. The only thing I have is Sea Striker makes a it's a eight inch sea worm imitation bait mm-hmm. that would do very well on the back of a tube trolling tube and worm. Oh, very cool. Um, obviously, isn't tried and true. It's a new product for us, but. It looks realistic. It's larger than most live sea worms you can buy these days. And I think with the right scent and the right application, it would be a great substitute. Something you can leave on the boat, not worry about, you know, hitting the tackle shop in the morning before you go out. Very cool, AJ. Thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure, as always, catching up with you and can't wait to do it again in a couple weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me again. Well, a big thanks to A.J. Coots of Red Top Sporting Goods in beautiful Buzzards Bay for joining us on this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. And I want to give a special shout-out to all of our guests that joined us on today's program, starting with MFCC founder and creator Ryan Collins, Captain Cullen Lundholm of Cape Star Charters, Bruno Demir of our title sponsor, Cape and Islands Mitsubishi, and last but not least, A.J. Coots of Red Top Sporting Goods. It's been an awesome start to our podcast season. Hard to believe it, but when we chat again next week, we'll be knocking on the door of Memorial Day in the unofficial start to summer here on beautiful Cape Cod. So hopefully this wind lays down a little bit for next week as we head in to the holiday weekend and allows folks to get down here, open up their homes, and get their boats in the water. It's truly a very exciting time to be here on Cape Cod. So that's going to put the wraps on this edition of the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast sponsored by Cape and Islands Mitsubishi and Cape Codder Boats. I'm your host, Kevin Collins, signing off. And until we chat again next Friday, tight lines and take care. Thanks for tuning in to the My Fishing Cape Cod podcast. For the latest local news, information, and fishing reports, be sure to log on to MyFishingCapeCod.com. From all of us at My Fishing Cape Cod, tight lines and take care.